The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. New tap room now open at Sass Drive and Cameron in Regina. Well, welcome to the Three Down Greencast. Joel Gaston with John Fraser as usual. And if we sound a little more somber, or at least I do, I'm just trying to present the tone that properly conveys the message that we are about to discuss as... Um, after winning a Grey Cup championship, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and now in turn fan John Fraser, are learning the hard facts about winning a championship, and that's when you uh, you start to lose your guys, as uh, it's yeah. official now that, and not really that surprising, that uh, Paul Lapolis has landed a head coaching gig, his uh, second run at it this time uh, with a different organization, as he is now officially the head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks after leading the Bombers to a Grey Cup championship and putting on just basically a masterpiece of offense in the Grey Cup game itself. Um, whether that's a good move for him or not, we can get into it in a little bit because there's a lot of question marks in Ottawa, but for the time being, John, um, thoughts and prayers. Thank you. Thank you. It is at this moment I'd like to sing a song, Joel. I will remember you. Well, I know he won't remember me. We've never met. But uh, I will certainly remember you, Paul Lapolis, for turning the Bombers and their noodle arm quarterbacks into one of the best offenses in, in the CFL. And the way that you were able to be a large part in bringing this team back to respectability because Mike O'Shea was there. But I still remember seeing on Twitter the way they announced it, that it was just like a zoom out. And there he was with Mike O'Shea. His second go-around with the Bombers, bringing them back. And uh, honestly, as, as sad as I am to see Lapo go, I think we all knew it was going to happen. I, I think his stock had never, arguably never been higher, even when he was hired as the head coach of the Bombers the first go-around. Mm-hmm. Um, so you knew if he, was, if he had any desire to be a head coach, it was likely going to be this offseason, especially with the amount of vacancies that there are or were going to be. So um, part of me, yeah, I'm sad. You're losing, you're losing your guy, losing a guy that, that was a major part of this Bomber coaching staff and especially the Grey Cup win. And uh, yeah, but at the same time, you know, you're happy. You know, this is a guy that, uh, that was really unjustifiably, uh, unjustifiably fired by, you know, by the Bombers, wasn't given a chance to right the ship. I thought he never should have been let go. It was never his fault. It was always the personnel, but uh, he got brought back in, buried the hatchet after a couple decent years at TSN. So I hope he does well. I don't know, like, I, I hope he's also got some some sane personnel decisions because that Ottawa offense is trash, but I guess that's why you bring in an offensive-minded guy to figure out your trash and make it into somebody else's treasure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that develops because right now he has no quarterback. He doesn't really have a top receiver. He doesn't really have a running back. So, yeah. Good luck, Paul Apolis. Uh, we we do honestly wish you well, but, uh, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and as we talked about last week on uh, this very fine program, that the Bombers are probably in good hands, too, because Buck Pierce was a guy that you thought the Riders should target as offensive coordinator. And really, Absolutely. His, his availability was always going to come down to what happened to Paul Apolise. So I, I think Winnipeg is going to be fine as they easily have the next man up. 
Well, exactly. Uh, and, and Buck Pierce has essentially retired to become a, a member of that staff. It was as soon as he was, you know, as soon as he figured out his body couldn't do it anymore. Uh, you, now you know that that Mike O'Shea is likely not going anywhere. That's what this move also screams. Uh, Buck Pierce has been working exclusively with Paul Lapolis for all these years as the quarterback's coach and, you know, assistant offensive coordinator. And it, it, as a guy that's been in the Lapolis offense and a guy that has then executed as a coach, um, I think the Bombers... If the Bombers do anything other than lock up Buck Pierce within the next couple of days, they'd be stupid because, of course, like, there's always the fear, does Paul Lapolis bring Buck Pierce with him to Ottawa? But, you know, from, from every report we've ever heard, and especially with the coaching cap and these things these days, that, you know, Paul Lapolis was as well paid as any coordinator out there in the CFL. So, um, you know, the Bombers will have the money to, to make a move if they need to, but yeah, no, I, th- I think Buck Pierce is is going to be the guy in Winnipeg. And he was going to get, again, he, one of these guys that was going to get a shot no matter what happened when, you know, everything, all the cards were played at the end of the offseason. Yeah, and of course, not the only coaching moves that uh, have been happening recently. Uh, major decision here in Saskatchewan that, of course, we're going to get to in a little bit as Jason Moss, the new offensive coordinator. We're going to talk about that. And, of course, uh, just the overall decision by Craig Dickinson and uh, what this means for the team and if maybe a few other news and notes from around the league. But as usual, before we get into all of that, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? Well, in the glass this week, um, I did that thing that I sometimes do, and I forgot to go stock up my beer fridge. Um, so instead, we're going with a nice, uh, a dark spiced rum, a little bit of Kraken. I thought sure, I heard some uh, ice r- crankling around earlier. That's that's right. We got we got the ice coming up to the microphone. <laughs> I, I do also have like a basic my father in law left it here beer, but it's not worth talking about. That when you hear the crack, that's all that'll be. Um, but no, a little bit of cracking. You know, it's nice. I I, I very much find myself um, in the winter not being much of a stout guy like you are, or into the darker beers. Uh, I find myself always going more towards the brown liquids. Uh, once we start recording this in the winter. So uh, crack in with a little bit of ice uh, and a little bit of water just to activate the taste. Uh, yeah, it's nice. It's dark. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy as it goes down if you mix it properly. Uh, so that's that's what I'm on, a little crack in rum. And it is not rumba. It is actual rum. None of that none of that Bob <laughs> bullshit going on on this podcast. No, absolutely not. Um, not right now, but I have been enjoying, because uh, it's the season, some nice uh, rum and eggnogs recently as well. Oh yeah, those are always good. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious to try. I'd like to try the Captain Morgan's gingerbread rum with the eggnogs. I just haven't grabbed any. I can't imagine it going really with anything else. We have that at the store, and I just every time I look at it, I'm like, does that act? Does it actually taste good? I don't know. It seems weird. Right. It, it seems like a weird yeah, flavor combo right. to me. But it, it like it would be one of those things I try to get a Mickey of because you're right. It would be literally for rum and eggnog, which I can have like one, maybe two of in a night, and that's about it. That's a lot of dairy otherwise. And, yeah. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to go any further on that one. Uh, oh, yeah. For me, <laughs> as we all know, the temperatures have dropped dramatically around Saskatchewan today. And so uh, I'm taking a little easy, but uh, we're going with the uh, Pile of Bones Red Ale today. So, yeah. And interesting note, if you are a fan of the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, uh, they do have a new beer coming out soon. Uh, they got a new IPA on the horizon that you'll be wanting to keep an eye out for. It's not, I don't think it's publicly announced yet, so we're not going to spill the beans on it too much, but it sounds delicious. And maybe more importantly in the grand scheme of life, uh, they are starting their tr- transition back from uh, 355 milk cans to the tall cans, if that is 
what you more so desire, which I generally do. So you see, see, I did, I did like, uh, especially in the summer, I like the white IPA being in the short cans because uh, on top of being a, a lover of great beer, I'm also very lazy. So like, it was pretty easy to like, Oh, I want another beer, but then I got to get up my couch. Nah. So that's, uh, that's generally my attitude. So I didn't mind the short cans. It How does that change just... with a tall can? I don't get it. Uh, no, no, no. It, it, because I'm, I'm going through it quicker with the mm. tall cans because the tall cans come in fours. So still lazy, but I'm drinking more, at least with the short cans, you know, maybe a six pack would last me maybe sometimes more than a night. I don't know. I went, I, I, the other night I had a, um, Saturday was not a banner night, uh, for, uh, for yours truly. So, uh, I went and got, uh, four rebellion hazy IPAs and, uh, they were gone by midnight. So that's the problem with the tall boys, I find. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, one guy who is not gone in Saskatchewan is, of course, uh, the new offensive coordinator. Jason Moss, the worst-kept secret in Saskatchewan and across the CFL, was uh, announced last week as uh, Moss will be coming in and taking over running the ship on offense. I believe we chatted about this a little bit last week, about the possibility of this happening. And I know some people jumped on and wanted to start talking about this move right away before they knew all the details. Uh, as we like to do around here, we kind of like to sit back and wait and let the story develop a little bit before we talk about it. So mm -hmm. we're not talking about hypotheticals and, you know, we can't really talk about this right now because we don't know what's happening yet sort of situation. Because there was a lot of questions about this move and, you know, who initiated it, you know, what's the details of Stephen McAdoo and whether he was going to be back at all, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And now we see the full picture of what happened and... We're going to get into what this means for the team in a little bit, and it's obviously, for the most part right now, generally very positive. But my biggest takeaway from this whole thing, uh, watching uh, Craig Dickinson and Jason Moss speak to the media the other day, the biggest thing I took away from it was the fact that Craig Dickinson made a bold decision. Yes. He sat down at the end of the season, he thought about it for a little bit, he probably went over some film, and despite the fact that they finished first in the West for the first time in 10 years... And no one would have blamed him if he decided to rest on his laurels and say, you know what, we got a pretty good thing going here, let's try it again. He decided that in order for this team to get to the next level, it was time for a new offensive coordinator. So this decision to bring in Jason Moss was not made because Jason Moss was available, number one. There was going to be a change at offensive coordinator whether Jason Moss was available or not. So on that in that regard alone, I give Craig Dickinson a ton of credit. We never know who he may may have hired otherwise, and whether that would have worked out or not, we don't know. Because as I wrote in my piece in Three Down Nation, you know, change for the sake of change isn't always best. It has to be mm -hmm. the right change. I think this time you can say they made the right change, but if Jason Moss wasn't available, who knows? But regardless. I'm still going to give Craig Dickinson credit for making a decision that he believes was going to make the football team better, regardless of who they brought in, despite all the factors that we laid out as to why, you know, most teams, a lot of coaches in similar situations wouldn't have done. Yeah, no, and no, you're absolutely right there, Joel, because uh, nobody would have, I think there might have been some unhappiness in, in Rider Nation if they would have brought back Steve McAdoo just because, you know, of, of his reputation and some of his previous years. But, I mean, Craig Dickinson definitely would have had a leg to stand on. As you mentioned, great season, you know, 
this was his guy. This was the guy that made Fajardo something. But uh, but I did find it interesting, and this stuck with me right up until the Moss hiring was when uh, you talked about some of the you know you could see some of the frustrations that maybe Fajardo was having you know during some of the games, and and, and we all thought that you know McAdoo was a Fajardo whisperer, but. Maybe Fajardo's just that damn good of a quarterback. So I love the move. I love the fact that that our boy, Justin Dunk, was able to come out and report that, yeah, at the end of a game in which you were probably, let's let let's say, you three plays go the other way for you in that West Final, at the end of a season in which you were three, two, three plays away from a Grey Cup game, and, and you and, still and sit... And the way we saw Hamilton collapse, possibly even a Grey Cup win, realistically. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Hamilton did, was not prepared for that game. I mean, you know, TSN's 10 hours of Hamilton pregame coverage also, you know, might have had something to do with that. But, you know, uh, this is a team that, that I absolutely believe had they got by the Bombers would have won the Grey Cup. And he went at the end of the season and went, yeah, you're gone. And I love it. It's ballsy. Um, because let's face it, outside of and I'm just thinking off the top of my head. I have not really looked, done a lot of research for the podcast. Not that I usually do. I'd be stunned if you did. Well, it's happened like twice, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like, let's face it. Outside of Jason Moss before, I mean, we kind of knew he was going to be fired. We weren't really sure. Or Buck Pierce. Is there a name out there that Ryder Nation would have gone, yeah, okay. Yeah, we're in. We're in on this, right? So it was ballsy. Like he was very obviously unhappy with the way that McAdoo was doing things and made a change. And the way this coaching staff was set up allows him to do that with their contracts and the carryovers and everything from the Chris Jones era. But no, I, I love the move. I love being bold. I love it when coaches are bold, they don't just stay with the status quo. You know, it was, you and I are both, Craig Dickinson fans, and this, again, is another move that I love by Craig Dickinson. Yeah, he seems like he's a guy, he's taking an approach to this coaching, you know, this first time being a head coach, and he's not going, he's not just kind of dipping his toe in, like, he's jumping in full steam, and he's saying, you know what, I've waited forever for this opportunity, I'm not going to play it safe, I'm not going to, you know, sit on, rest on my laurels, I'm not going to take it easy, I'm going to, I'm going to, to make the most of this, and maybe this might be my only shot at doing this, so... I'm going to make sure that I overturn every single rock I possibly can, to use a Chris Jones term when they were talking about searching for quarterbacks, um, possible. And you can't blame him because, you know, who knows? You never know in this in this sport when you'll get another opportunity, if you'll get another opportunity. And I think in the case of Craig Dickinson, should eventually, I mean, every coach is either going to get fired or quit at some point. That's the nature of the game. So there are certain coaches, like, say, Nick Rolovich out of Hawaii, who take really great approaches to that, saying, hey, I'm going to be fired anyway, so I'm just going to be myself while I do this. And I feel I kind of get a little bit of that vibe from Greg Dickinson as he does this, which is really impressive at a professional level to do that, because a lot of professional coaches are scared shitless to do anything outside the box for fear of losing their jobs. And... Not that hiring arguably the best offensive coordinator on the market is, you know, out of the box or anything like that, but yeah. it was still a bold decision, and Craig is basically saying, I'm going to make the most of this, I'm going to shoot my shot as a head coach if it doesn't work out, well, I'll go back to being a pretty successful special teams coordinator. Absolutely, and and and, and that was a funny thing, is we didn't really know, and, and maybe this is because Craig Dickinson has had the opportunity before to be a head coach or be promoted and just kind of gone... Nah, nah, I'm pretty good, you know, I don't really aspire to do this, and 
I think maybe that mindset has allowed him to, as you mentioned, be his own man when he got the job. It's like, yeah, whatever. I'll get gas and go back to being a snowboard instructor half the year and go back to doing what I love while also being a kick-ass special teams guy, right? So um, he's in a unique position that he can still stay true to him you know, without feeling that monumental pressure that all these coaches seem to have to have this all longevity. And it's funny because I feel like him doing that is going to lead to him being a very successful head coach for a lot of years for this organization. And the Jason Moss move, I mean, let's just, let's like the way that his offenses have performed. I mean, say what you will about him as a head coach. I mean, the guys, we've said it all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're not a fan of him as a head coach, but as an OC and even going into this year, his teams, when his team has had their starting quarterback, they finished no worse than the second best offense in the entire league. And even this year, with a couple of backup quarterbacks and his and working in a new system and and you know Trevor Harris missing a good ch- chunk of the season, he still had one of the better offenses in the CFL. So mm-hmm. Jason Moss knows offense. Just you know, make sure to bolt down the water cooler in the offensive uh, coaches suite at Mosaic Stadium. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of his, you know he got asked about his personality and his, sort of his you know the way he he hacks on the sidelines and all that, and I think he handled the question well. He says he is who he is, and you know he also talked about how he was excited in a sense is to get back to offense, and I think when you look at that from that perspective for Jason Moss, I think it brings out a different side of him. Not that he's still not going to be fiery, but number one, if this is what Craig Dixon wants, because Stephen McAdoo was in the box. Maybe that means Maz will also be upstairs, and that'll probably make a difference. You're kind of taken away from the heat of the sideline a little bit, at least. Yeah. And number two, I just don't think you really need that out of your offensive coordinator. Um, so, and he will, you know, also, I think you'll also kind of pick up on the vibe of the rest of the staff and how they act. Not the things, not that Craig Dickinson never gets heated. It's football. You know, stuff happens on the sidelines from time to time. That's just yes. the way it is. Jason is sometimes, as a head coach, took it a little far. Regardless, I don't think, to me, as an, when it comes to the offensive coordinator position, that doesn't bother me quite as much. I don't expect it to be there quite as much. Number one, maybe it was there when he was in OC in Ottawa, but he's not going to be on camera nearly as much as he is the head coach. Especially no. as a head coach that TSN knows, oh, this guy could blow up at any minute and make sure there's like basically always camera on him. Yeah, um, <laughs> how many how many sideline shots did you see of Craig Dickinson last year? Like, and that's and that, and that's a, that's a big part of it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, and, and and you and I have said. And I've seen this firsthand, you know, being on the sidelines for, for, you know, many levels of football and being through a couple of rider training camps and, you know, Hilltops and Huskies and seeing both Huskies regimes. Like, the entire team takes on the personality of their head coach. Yeah. And that even, you know, really resonates amongst the staff. So, you know, I, I feel like – I don't feel like you're ever going to see Jason Moss out there running practices screaming his face off. Because that's just not what Craig Dickinson does. Yeah, and, and and by all accounts, as much as we like to, you know, we you know, much as made of the way Jason Moss has acted on the sideline as a head coach in Edmonton, and some of the decisions decisions that he's made, he still generally seemed beloved by his players. So what we see on the sideline isn't isn't always necessarily how a guy is like with his players behind closed doors as well. I think I think that's important to note. As a former player, you would think that Jason Moss would know how to properly communicate and handle his players and do so in a professional manner. I, I, To me, I don't feel like that personality that we saw on the sidelines, on television, with the media in Edmonton, was, is quite what 
happens behind closed doors. I, I, I don't believe that to be true with Jason Moss. I think for the most part, it seems like his players like him. No coaches, no coaches ever universally beloved. You know, it's, you, just, you put that many grown men in a locker room, someone's bound to not like you. That's just math. But I think for the most part, there, there at least, there's at least a professional respectability between everyone in those rooms. It was just the shortcomings of some of his decision-making as a head coach that basically was the downfall for Jason Moss as a head coach in this league at this point in his career. No, and you're absolutely right. And the funny thing is, too, is you, you mentioned the media. And if there's any one city's media I don't trust, it's Edmonton. Um, they've got a lot of those old school guys that have their core beliefs in the way that things should be done. And, you know, you should be able in the locker room. You should be able to go to the players in their car. You should be able to follow them home. You should be able to bug their wife while they're eating dinner. You should be able to make them available at 3 in the morning if they feel like it. Um so the stories you may have heard about Moss being a bit of an a-hole, um, I, I don't know if that's true. I mean, because you, you made it clear, Joel. We see him as a fiery guy on, on the sidelines, but Trevor Harris and Greg Ellenson both were part of his – they played for him in Ottawa, and they both you – know, jumped... deci- Yeah, and then they decided to sign with him as a head coach. So Exactly. So I think, I, I think a lot of like – do Jason Moss's teams lack discipline? Yes. I mean, that's the stats are there. You know, is that caused by you having a fiery guy at head coach that lets his temper get the best of him? And again, like we've said, just like Craig Dickinson and the Riders, does that bleed through the rest of your team? Absolutely, it does. Right. To me, it's nothing more than that. I think Jason Moss is a great coach. I think he's a guy with a bad temper, something I can completely relate to, to be entirely honest. And I think his team's adopted that personality. But in an OC role, we never once heard any of these stories like he's not one of those guys you've ever heard a bad thing about in the league and his players love him. His players have come out and defend him after he's got fired. And you know what? This might be the like I see a lot of a young Mike Riley and Cody Fajardo. Like I, I, I really do the ability to run, the ability to throw, the ability to make very good decisions while still pushing the ball downfield. And you're basically giving Jason Moss a chance to work with a younger Mike Riley. And that can only bode well for the, for this Riders team. Yeah. And I think that's part of the draw for Jason Moss to Saskatchewan. Not, not necessarily Cody Fajardo specifically, because I know there was a lot of chatter and especially out of BC, some of the fans are thinking, well, he's worked with Rick Campbell and Mike Riley before. So this, this should be a slam dunk. And, and in theory, you think that, sure, because traditionally speaking, football coaches generally go where their relationships are strongest when they're not the head coach. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty much, for the most part, how it is. For me, I kind of feel like Jason Maz is wired a little differently. I feel like he's a guy who, when given given an opportunity, was intrigued by a new challenge. So there's no sort of direct link between Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day. I'm sure they've crossed paths at some point. It's not a very big league, and all three of them have been around it long enough that I'm sure they've at least exchanged some kind of conversation at some point. Whether there's an actual football link between them, I don't know. There's nothing directly obvious. So that Mm. would make you think, outside of money, which again, there's still a cap in place as far as you know and how much the writers get off for him. So they couldn't go crazy, but there's still other opportunities and all that. I think Jason Moss, and he kind of alluded to it in the press conference, where 
I think he was intrigued by a different opportunity to take a quarterback like Cody Fajardo to the next level, to work with some receivers that he hadn't worked with before, to work in, you know, in a facility with a team that he hadn't worked with before that by all standards is the gold standard of this league in terms of facilities, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think you know, when he looks at that and he says, you know what, for a couple of years, for at least a couple of years for a flyer, this is a really interesting opportunity that I should take advantage of. Absolutely. Now, speaking of Moss, do we see a reunion in some capacity? Because, again, this this staff is wide open outside of Jason Shivers, who, you know, before we get into it too much, again, great job resigning mm-hmm. Jason Shivers. Yeah. You know, do you see maybe a Ricky Ray throw his hat into the coaching ring now just because of the situation he would be in? Do you see him as a quarterback's receivers coach? Because let's face it. Ray and Fajardo have a, have a good relationship, mm-hmm. you know, Ray and Moss have a good relationship and, you know, Ricky's career is, is unfortunately over. Right. So there, there has been some people wondering if that's the connection that ultimately brought Jason Moss here. And I mean, we can't outright dismiss it yet. It's hard to say if Ricky yes. Ray was like, okay, you go somewhere, I will follow you. And Hey, I know Cody really well, you know? So maybe, right. maybe there, maybe that was kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We don't know for sure yet. We don't know how the coaching staff is going to run, you know, round out. Um, Jason Moss was asked about a quarterback coach in the in his availability. Uh, he seemed open to the idea, but it's going to depend on how you know him and Dickinson kind of build out the rest of the staff and whether they have the numbers to do it or not. So, if there's a body available, I feel like there's going to be a quarterbacks coach with this team, which, despite Jason Moss's history, I still think is a very positive thing. I think in Saskatchewan. Their quarterbacks have always been at their best when there's been a quarterbacks coach, whether especially, you know, from Darian Durant and so on and so forth. Even if your OC is a former QB and all that, and they understand the position, they still got a lot going on. I think it's vital that you have that specific coach for the quarterbacks based on how important that is. Even if they're only coaching three or four guys every day, it's that important that you need that extra set of eyes on them. Jason Moss basically said as much. But it's going to depend on how the rest of the coaching staff shakes down. I know you're absolutely right, Joel. And I, and I mean, I think too, at the very least, a quarterbacks coach under a guy like Moss, like let's say the Riders come out next year and for the next two years just light the world on fire offensively. Mm-hmm. Jason Moss is probably going to get another head coaching kick. Yeah. So the, I think the CFL just loves to recycle and recycle and recycle. So. Exactly. So I do think there is value in making sure that a guy that has proven he's one of the top coordinators in the league. He's proven that already. We know that already. Yeah. I think there's value in bringing in a guy that you basically say, okay, much like the Bombers did with Buck Pierce, you're going to be the guy under this guy, learn everything you can, because there's a good shot you're going to get to be the guy when he gets a head coaching gig. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, in in some regards, I guess other than Jason Shivers, where it seemed Chris Jones, at least defensively, was ready for his eventual departure to the NFL. Because he's clearly, because Chris Jones came out and he vouched for his Shivers and said, this is a guy, you know, I've kind of been preparing him. He's ready to be the defensive coordinator. And Chris Jones is right. Because there's, there's no question the guy put together one heck of a defense last year. Oh, God, yes. And I, and I think in terms of sustained success, as uh, Craig Reynolds and now Jeremy O'Day have adopted as sort of the motto for this franchise involves just that you're not only grooming your next line of players which is always important you know you always have Calgary where you have the next receiver the next defensive lineman up when the American leaves in free agency for big money 
So that, you know, in theory, if you good enough for long enough, that's going to start happening here. You need to do the same on your coaching staff as well, where we've also seen in Calgary, where, you know, defensive coordinators have left and other guys have stepped up and filled those roles, you know, quite well. So yes, that is also part of making sure that this franchise is good every single year is okay. We have, you know, we love our head coach right now. We love our offensive coordinator. We love our defensive coordinator. Who are the people that behind them though? Because we know if we're good enough, people are going to come calling about these guys. No, and, and, and that's absolutely it. And I think it's a good way, it's a good culture to start instilling, and I think the riders are going to start doing that. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence in, in that, that, and really for Craig Dickinson's benefit, I know he was kind of thrown into a shitty spot last year, which ended up working out for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he gets a clean slate. And to me, you get a clean slate now where you have your coaching staff that, Arguably, you know, we'll see what Jason Shivers again does next year. But I'm I'm high on Jason Shivers. I'm high on Jason Moss, and and you've got Craig Dickinson now. That you can argue that at least in in terms of the key positions, the Riders have one of the best coaching staffs in the entire CFL. Heading in uh, this coming off of a year in which they you know finished first in the West Division, so it, it is the next man up philosophy, and it's developing those guys, and it's it's very uh, it's a very good thing for this organization and this club. Yeah, and I, I think I think this changes the outlook for the team a little bit next year. As had it been another Stephen McAdoo year, I think it wouldn't have been unexpected to see the offense maybe take a little bit of a step back. Yes, not 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 horribly, because um, with a young quarterback, we've seen a lot of guys have a great year, a really great first year as a starter, and kind of drop off a bit, and then maybe eventually figure it out again. You hope after they kind of adjust to the adjustments that have been made to them. Because you know, you know over this offseason that defensive coordinators across this league are going to be looking very closely, especially in the West Division at Cody Pajardo. And you know, his mm-hmm. tendencies and what he does and this and that and the other thing. There was a you know whether it was because of trust or age or knowledge of the offense or just where he was in his career that they weren't quite ready to do it yet. I don't know. There was a lot of for Cody Fajardo a lot of one read, no run. One read, no, throw it away. Yeah, there wasn't right. a lot. There wasn't a lot of progressing through his receivers. So I think this is a good time now to bring in, and this is no offense meant to Stephen McAdoo, but clearly a better offensive coordinator to work with Cody Fajardo to make sure that he is in fact the guy beyond the next two years. He is a guy that you can you know sustainably build around for the next ten years by getting him to this next level by making him maybe a little bit more of a pocket passer who's able to go through his reads and but is still able to run when need be. And we you know I heard the comparisons on the Leader Post podcast where there is a little bit of Darian Durant in him early on. Mm-hmm. I think Fajardo's arm is a little more accurate than Durant's is, which I would is agree, a, yeah. which is a positive for the team. So yes. but he doesn't need to rush for 600 yards every year. He just needs to learn maybe to pick his spots a little better and trust himself in the pocket. Well, it's got at least, and you you summarize it best, Joel. That that a lot of times with Cody, and I and I found it a little bit less during you know near the end of the season. Yeah, that, it did get better as the year went on for sure. Yeah, yeah. At least he was making two reads. You could watch the guy physically make read one, read two. Okay, what do I do with it? Right. Um, and it's funny. If anything, that might have made him look a little bit better because I didn't. I, you didn't see him just throwing a lot of those, you know, available checkdowns and things like that that McAdoo's always got built into his offenses. Right now, mm-hmm. the question I have: Does see McAdoo go anywhere? 
Um, I, I mean, mean, there's openings. Right, but we got to think Winnipeg's is going to be filled. Yeah. I mean, BC's talking to a bunch of randoms in the States right now. I think I would rather... If I'm BC, I think I'd rather to roll the dice on a year of Stephen McAdoo than some guy out of, you know, NCAA Division Two, or, well, which, or, which, or, or which, whoever the hell they're talking to right now. Like, which is you're <laughs> abs- you're absolutely correct. I mean, because we've seen time and time again that typically, you know, with with a few exceptions, your your best offensive coordinators typically are either long ingrained in the Canadian game or veterans of the Canadian game. Or former players of the Canadian game, right? Like it's it's mm-hmm. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, coaching coaching in Canada with the waggle and, and different things and, and, and you know the three downs and all of a sudden going down to the States and trying to be a four down coach. Like it just you know, you and I watch a ton of all forms of football. I mean, you've really got me hooked on college football this year. Thank which you, which is really way. like my greatest accomplishment, I think. I, I think so. I mean, realistically, <laughs> you should almost get a medal for that, especially considering I work Saturdays and all I do now in, in, in our showroom, the TV is now fixed on college football the entire day. I love it. It's fantastic. It makes my work day go quicker. So, um, but that's a lot to learn. You're looking, mm-hmm. you're learning the core, the core of it is still there. But you're still learning so much to come up from the states. So, yeah, I I guess you know maybe maybe BC's a BC, although they're talking to Ryan Dinwiddie and and all sorts yeah, of things. There's sort, sorts there's, of, I think Ryan like Ryan Dinwiddie. There's great options out there. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I he'll land he'll land in football somewhere. I'm pretty confident yes. in that. I, I think Stephen McAdoo has enough connections in the states where he's probably you know he's maybe not NFL bound unless maybe for some kind of position coach somewhere especially if Chris Jones gets another NFL job after they clean the house in Cleveland again, probably. Um, or, you know, I, I don't think he's power five NCAA material, but maybe in the group of five, maybe FCS sort of that down there, he can maybe find some kind of offensive assistance, some kind of role to ease back into American football and kind of grow from there a little bit. Because I think, I think in a lot of ways, his sort of conservative style maybe meshes a little better with certain, American programs, depending on where you're going, you know, he, I could see, I could see Stephen McAdoo going down to some, you know, group of five or FCFs team and really just really falling in love with the triple option or something like that. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I was more thinking that, you know, is this time in Canada done? Um, it's it's hard to say. Yeah. I don't know if there's a, like an obvious opening for him at this point. Like, I don't know, like, would he be a guy that Corey Chamberlain would like if he sticks in Toronto? I don't know. I don't right. I don't see, I don't really see the connection or, you know, like, Kahari Jones is probably going to want to have his spin on the offense still as the head coach of Montreal, so would he want to run Kahari's offense, essentially? I don't know. He's probably, whoever Edmonton decides on, does he go back there? I don't know. So it feels like, at least for the time being, yeah, it might be at least a year away from the CFL for Stephen McAdoo. I think that's unless for, unless agree. something comes out of nowhere, and for some reason he's the head coach of the Edmonton Eskimos. And I'm not <laughs> I'm not entirely unconvinced. I'm also not entirely convinced of it either that Stephen McAdoo could, in theory, be one of those guys that maybe ends up being a better head coach than he was a coordinator. No, I I, I would agree with that. I mean. Yeah, he's 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 a likable guy. 
You think his players like him. We haven't heard a lot of rumblings out of Ryderville that, that you know, I, I think guys will always be, you know, athletes will always be frustrated when they're told to go conservative. Mm-hmm. I mean, they always want to make that play that wins the game. They always make that big play that that does something for their team, right? So I think his frustra- the frustrations with him are more based on that than based on, you know, anything of, you know, he's he's not a good guy or nobody likes him or nobody likes playing for him, right? So, yeah, and, and, and who knows with the whole coaching carousel. He did interview in Ottawa. It doesn't sound like everybody's busting down the door to be in Edmonton at least. No, like they're, mean, t- the they're, la- they're speaking of t- talking to a bunch of random people for head coaching job. Edmonton's doing that, and that could be part because I mean, they're where does whether president their president come from the Arena Football League or something? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. but it, it's still it's one of those that like you look and yeah, we we heard you know Rick Campbell was out there, and then all of a sudden he didn't go there, and Paul Lapolis was out there, and he goes to Ottawa, right? And uh, mm. Yeah, the Eskimos are kind of left holding the bag, so maybe Steve McAdoo, if he if he interviewed well with Ottawa, is the guy. Yeah, I feel like the Eskimos are going to go outside the box for some reason. No, I would agree. That's kind of how I feel. Which, which like, sometimes doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, you, you roll the dice every once in a while, I guess. If there's no like candidate, really, that wows you. Though I think Killam, the special teams coordinator out of Calgary, is a guy that I think is worthy of being the head coach right now. I think he's, right. he's put in the time. He's a Craig Dickens type. He's put in the time. He's been in that role forever. He understands the game. He just needs someone to take a shot at him. And it's it's not going to happen in Calgary anytime soon because unless Dave Dickens starts getting NFL offers, we know he's not going anywhere. So he's got to look elsewhere. And right. he's a guy that you know, we're, we're starting to see the trend a little bit in the CFL between Mike O'Shea and now Craig Dickinson. And it's like, hey, these special teams guys can coach football. Oh, certainly, certainly, and 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 at least from my my experience, and and again, that is relatively limited. It seems special teams guys are always more your players' coach. Well, they're the guys that have to. They're the only guy outside of the head coach that has to deal with every player on the team, essentially, other than maybe the starting quarterback. You're not going to see him in special teams meetings, but other than that, right? But but they they're generally they're generally raw, raw, raw guys. You know, they're yeah. generally. Not your hard ass. They're generally very likable human beings. I mean, I think you can attest, uh, you know, even dating back to the days of Bob Dice, and I can attest covering, you know, the Huskies and the Hilltops, you know, a lot of times. Dickinson the first time here, too. Exactly. The special teams coordinator was a guy you typically wanted to talk to because he gave Mm -hmm. you smart, insightful, honest answers and had some input on on just about everybody on the team. Yeah. And and it's funny you mentioned that they're – they're likable characters, and I, I agree with that, too. And one of the funniest things, and I've, I thought about it the day Craig Dickinson was hired as head coach, um, was back when he was around here the first time in 2012. You'd overhear him every once in a while, just talking around with the kickers while, you know, offense and defense was going on, and they'd be working on a few things. And then he would start randomly asking, him, hey, hey, guys, did, did you watch what happened in Survivor last night or some program? And it was just... It was so random, but it was amazing at the same time. Like, he would come in and just completely clear their head of everything that they were thinking about. I think it was part, I think it's part of the way he thinks. It's kind of like, okay, yep. forget about everything. I'm going to ask you about something dumb and pointless. There's nothing to do with anything about football to do it. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, well, well, no, and, 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 and he's, and, and yeah, he's proven to be good at that, and that's his personality, and I think that's what's made him a good coach, and can, and will continue to do so because I, I think the day and, – and we kind of touched on this and you look at what's going on in the NHL right now. The day of the hard-ass, mentally abusive coach 
if if it's not dead already, it's dying quickly. I, I think football had that wrecking a while ago, even. Yeah. No, I, I would I would agree with that. I, mm-hmm. I would agree from somebody that's been that that grew up playing in hockey culture. And, you know, a large part of my professional life was in football culture. You know, football has always had that brotherhood and that respect where I can tear you a new asshole for for missing a block or I can, you know, point out, you know, you you really screwed up your route on this play. But at the end of the day, you know, there's a mutual respect there and and a, a genuine caring and a genuine family atmosphere in football as opposed to, you know, the dictatorships you, you saw and continue to see in hockey that are that are going away. So I think football is, you know, just taking it to the next level with with more and more, you know, player likable players, coaches being given these jobs. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.